I'm glad he's feeling better. I don't know about y'all. We missed you last week, but we prayed for you, and we're glad you're feeling better today. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Isaiah over in the Old Testament. Turn to the book of Isaiah. We want to look at Isaiah chapter 47. I want to share with you a sermon I've entitled this morning is who we were then and who we are now. Who we were then, who we are now. I kind of changed uh, my title to uh, the way. Your outline may have the way uh, we were and the way we are now. But who we were then and who we are now. And we want to look at Isaiah chapter 47, verses 7 through 9. Really, we'll go through about verse 15. Isaiah chapter 47. Begin reading with verse 7. And thou saidest, I shall be a lady forever so that thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. Therefore hear now this, thou that art given to pleasures, that dwell carelessly, that sayest in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorcerers, for the great abundance and thine enchantments. Drop down to verse 11. Or verse 10 says, let's look at verse 10. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness Thou hast said, None seek, seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. And thou hast said in thy heart, I am and no one else beside me. Therefore shall evil come, in verse 11, Therefore shall evil come upon thee. Thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee. Thou shalt not be able to put it off. And desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Verse 12, Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorcerers, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so be thou shalt be able to profit, if so be thou mayest prevail. Down in verse 14, Behold, they shall be as stubble, the fire shall burn them, they shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. They shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before. Thus shall they be unto thee with whom thou hast labored, even thy merchants from thy youth. They shall wander every one to his quarter. None shall save thee. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have now to worship you. And Lord, we pray that our worship was acceptable in your sight. We pray now at this time that you would speak to us through your word, allow your Holy Spirit to convict our hearts. 
Lord, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I pray, Lord, that you will give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. I pray, Lord, that I would just be a voice peace for you, that your Holy Spirit would touch every heart here. We rejoice in knowing that your word will not return void, that it will work its way into people's hearts. And, Lord, uh, we will have to deal with your word as we receive it. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. America, who we were and then and who we are now. Chapter 47 of Isaiah, God speaking to an ancient kingdom in regards to coming judgment. And that kingdom is Babylon. However, the way the chapter reads, you would think that God is speaking to America. I was looking at the notes of J. Vernon McGee, and this is what he had to say about Babylon. He said, Babylon means confusion. At this time, they were beset with confusion. That great city depended upon its economic strength and its total gross product. But something happened to that nation. It was dying within. We're living in a country, says McGee. We're living in a country today that depends upon its economic strength, but something is also wrong with us, and we won't face up to it. Our problem is moral. As a nation, we have departed from the living and the true God. When you read Isaiah 47 and it speaks of Babylon, it sounds as though that you're speaking about America. Babylon was an arrogant city. Bar uh, Babylon was puffed up. Babylon was puffed up in her pride it was puffed up in her luxury, and it was puffed up in her security. It was a very arrogant city. They were so full of pride, if you'll notice in verse 8, verse 8 says, they would say, I am and none else beside me. It was repeated again in verse 10, I am and there is none else beside me. That saying is believed to have been a very popular saying in Babylon. But little did they know that it was an offense to God. It was the very word that God himself had often said about himself. I am and there is none other, no one else beside me. Denoting his self-existence, denoting his perfection, denoting his soul supremacy. Notice that, self-existence, self-perfection, soul supremacy. Babylon felt about themselves as God felt about himself. They felt the same about themselves as God felt about himself. They were puffed up with pride. They were puffed up with luxury. We're kind of that way too today in America. We're puffed up with luxury. We have all types of luxuries. We have fine houses and fine cars. And, and you know, I was watching the other day a TV infomercial. And um, all of a sudden they've got this thing now. It's battery operated, Riley. And you put it on your grill and you mash a button. It runs all over your grill and it cleans your grill. You don't even have to scrub your grill anymore. 
I mean, we got all types of luxuries. They were living in luxury. Verse 8 says they were given to pleasure. We're full of pleasure. We have filled up on pleasure. Verse 9, they were puffed up in security. They dreamed of nothing else except tomorrow will be like today and will be much more abundant than today. That was Babylon. Now, I believe with all of my heart that the hand of God has always been ever since America became a colony, a nation. I believe God has always had his hand on America. You can look back into the history of America and you can see this. In 1746, there were 40 French warships set out from Nova Scotia to conquer this New England colony that had just begun. But something happened. There arose a hurricane, this massive destructive wind on the sea as it headed toward this New England colony and it destroyed every one of those ships. I believe that was the hand of God on America back then. So first of all, who were we then? Who were we then? Have you ever wondered what kind of people were those who were the bedrock of this nation? Have you ever thought about their character? Have you ever thought about what they were made of? Have you ever thought about the tenor of that group of people that first settled this country? What they were made of? What was their makeup? I found something quite interesting. I want to share it with you. Listen to this. On the fourth day of July in 1776, there were 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence. What happened to these men? I mean, what became of them? They were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffins. They were dedicated, determined men of means and education. Twenty-four were lawyers and jurists. Eleven were merchants. Nine were large plantation owners, men of means. But they signed knowing that the penalty of their signature was death if they were captured. What happened to them? those that signed that declaration. Nine of the 56 fought and died in the Revolutionary War. Five of the 56 were captured by the British as traitors, and they were tortured, and they died. Two of them lost their sons in war. Another had a son captured. Twelve of them had their homes ransacked and burned. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy plantation owner and trader, saw his ship swept away by the, by the British Navy. So these were just ordinary men, but they had a determination. They had a determination to, to, to bring about a, a nation. You probably all remember seeing the picture of uh, George Washington, you know, kneeling in the snow there at Valley Forge, praying for his men praying for the battle that he was about to engage in. I mean, we've seen him kneeling there at Valley Forge. And that image of, of Washington there was, was not, you know, it's, it's an image, but it's, it's a familiar image to thousands and thousands and thousands of early settlers who carried all of their cause and all of their problems they were experiencing to this God Almighty just as Washington did. So what kind of people 
were they? What kind of people came before us? Well, you'll find their courage framed in the Constitution of this new republic. When they were assembled there in the Independence Hall in Philadelphia to write this new Constitution, we're told that there was one book on the desk in front of George Washington who presided over this Congress. And that book was the Holy Bible. It was the Word of God. And so we have different... Let me share some quotes that I have from people of, of, of years gone by that meant so much to this nation. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin stood up during this time. And he said, If it be true that a sparrow cannot fall without God's notice, how could it be that a nation could not rise without God's care and God's providence? And then he said, I'll make a motion that we begin each session with prayer. Isn't that something? And then you have a, a British attender, someone just attending the, con uh, the Constitutional Congress. He asked her a simple question. When he arrived, he said, which one of these men is General George Washington? And the reply came back and said, when Congress goes into prayer, the one who kneels is George Washington. That's our founding fathers. And you can see how they, uh, how they thought about God and how they thought about prayer. Listen to Washington. I think it was in a prayer he, he said just a few minutes ago. We saw in the video. He closed his first inaugural address with these words. Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou will keep these United States in holy protection, that you will incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of obedience, to entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States. That was his prayer prayed spoke to God so what kind of people compromised what kind of people comprised our nation when it was first founded people of the book people of courage and people of prayer and then at the end of the civil war Robert Lee delivered his final address and this is what he said General Lee said to his army he, he said this in April of uh, 1865, I earnestly pray that a merciful God will extend to you his blessings and protection. That's what Lee prayed. Spoke that to his people. And then Abraham Lincoln, he concluded his second inaugural address, address in 1865 with these words. Listen to this. He says, uh, Lincoln said, uh, uh, with malice toward none and charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive to build up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, for the widow and the orphan, to, uh, to do all which may achieve and cherish a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. That was Abraham Lincoln. So he had people of the book and people of courage and people of prayer. That was the character, that was the tenor, that was those, the founders, that was those who were prior to us. But number two, what kind of people are we today? That was the kind of people then, but what kind of people are we today? As God looks down and judges our nation today, as we read about ourselves in the paper, as we view the daily or the nightly news, as we listen and watch each other walking down the streets, shopping, what kind of people are we today?
I'd say that we're a people of indifference. And because of our indifference, we're becoming a nation, we're becoming a nation of lawlessness and violence. We live in a nation that is fighting opioids and at the same time legalizing marijuana, which is known as a gateway drug. Figure that out. We live in a nation that sanctions the murder of the unborn, and some are pushing for abortion at the birth, just prior to birth. Some are pushing for murder after birth, infanticide. What kind of people are we today? Those were the people that came before us. What kind of people are we today? where you have discipline and bullying and violence in our schools and it's all out of control. What kind of people are we today? What kind of people are we today with, with gangs and drive-by shootings and bitterness and, and hatred? What kind of people are we today that some say that it's wrong for a parent to teach a child its natural gender? Really? What kind of people are we today when we say that the creator of the universe failed in his creation to to point to the point of creating a biological male with the desire to be a female and he failed in his creation when he created a biological female with the desire to be a male what kind of people are we today we no longer recognize the sanctity of marriage, that God ordained marriage between a man and a woman. And any other, the Bible says, is an abomination to God. What kind of people are we today? I wish I knew who made this statement, but I want to quote it. The author is unknown. He says, I do not believe that the greatest threat to our future is from bombs and guided missiles. I don't think our civilization will die that way. I think it will die because we no longer care. Arnold Toynbee had pointed out that 19 out of 21 civilizations have died from within and not by conquest from without. There were no bands playing, no flags waving when these civilizations decayed. It happened, it happened silently, in the quiet and in the dark when no one was aware. And so that begs the question then, what kind of people are we are today? We're indifferent. What kind of people are we today? A nation that's increasingly forgetting God? Can you imagine the President of the United States closing his inaugural address like George Washington on his knees or on his face beseeching the blessings of an almighty God upon this nation? Think of that. What kind of people are we today? Sundays are no holy day. Sundays are holidays. There's no time for God. There's no time for God in our homes. There's no time for God in our schools. Our values are material and our goals are not heavenward. Our goals are not Godward. America should take a lesson from Babylon. 
Babylon, met for destruction, puffed up with pride, puffed up in materialism, luxury, puffed up in self-security. They just kind of lured themselves asleep with pleasure, and they dreamed nothing else but tomorrow should be as today, but much more abundant. They did not, verse 7 says, this is important, verse 7 says, they did not remember the latter end, the latter end of their prosperity. You know what the latter end of prosperity is? The latter end? You see, prosperity is like a fading flower. In the end, it will wither and it will disappear. And the Bible says they did not consider the latter end. Verse 9, Babylon forgot that her day would come and that she would fall. And what would the end be? Never considered that. Babylon never thought of herself in regards to her evil ways or sinful ways. Only how she could, uh, could just enjoy day after day after day. Never thought about death. Never thought about judgment. Never thought about the future state. That's the way we are now. We have the way they were then, previously in America, humble, courageous. I mean, our leaders cherish the word of God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They cherish the God of the Bible. I mean, uh, our leaders cherish freedom of religion there was no such thing as FFR freedom from religion the group that tries to do away with all religious scenes and the Bible and in God we trust slogans and all of that there was there was no organization known as freedom from religion then but our national leaders and our citizens uh, they were people of prayer our national anthem was loved. Our flag was respected. Communism and socialism and Marxism was all rejected. And they would pray and cry out, God bless America. Give me one reason why God should bless America. But who are we now? So the final question we will look at, is there a way back? Is there a way back? The way back is found in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, and you know it by memory, perhaps. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. You see, uh, I'm a part of this nation. Just, I'm a small part. But we're parts of the nation. The nation cannot repent unless I repent. The nation cannot believe unless I believe. The nation cannot turn to God unless I turn to God. So the devotion and the flame of revival will never come to this nation until it first comes in my life. And in your life. And so the invitation today is let it start with you.
If you're here and never been saved, you need to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. If you're here today as a Christian and your life is not what it should be, you need to come today in rededication of your life. If you're here today, you may just want to come and say, Brother Sam, I want to pray for our nation. And you might just get on your knees here and pray for the nation. We have some serious problems, but we know the way they were. We know how it is now, but there is a way back, and it's left up to God's people. That's our prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for the blessings of it. Thank you for a time of invitation. You've spoken to our hearts. You've reminded us, Lord, how this nation was begun and, and how, Lord, uh, the people were courageous and the people, Lord, uh, were prayerful and the people, Lord, were godly people. They depended upon you. They never forgot you. But yet somewhere along the line, it's turned. Because we've become like Babylon. We've been puffed up. We're very arrogant. We're puffed up, Lord, in our luxuries. We're puffed up, Lord, in our security. We're the most powerful nation on earth. But yet we never think. We never think. We never give thought, perhaps. Our leaders never give thought that one day the flower will fade. Prosperity will end. Then what? When destruction comes. A nation ever thinks very seldom its leaders think about judgment, think about the death of a nation, what causes that. They never think of that. And so we pray for our leaders. We pray for our president. We pray for our Congress. We pray for all of our leaders and our national government, our local government, state and local government. Help us, we pray, Lord, as your people. To follow 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Lord, we're just one, but yet we're many. And so, Father, we pray that today that we'll resolve in our own heart to make a difference by living our life, Lord, and trusting you, Lord, each day of our life. As we uh, exist here and as we serve here and talk to people about you and share the gospel with people, Help us, Father, we pray, to be found faithful in doing what you've left us here to do. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.